your name today, God. We thank you, God. Hallelujah. Because you are pure, you are righteous and wonderful, God. Bless you, Lord. We stand in awe of you this morning, God. Great is your name. Greatly to be praised. Hallelujah. Come on and give your God a hand of praise. He's worthy. He is worthy. Turn your Bibles with me, please, to the book of Acts, chapter 4. The book of Acts, chapter 4, we'll begin reading in verse 1. The book of Acts, chapter 4, and verse 1. When you got it, say so. It says, Now as they spoke to the people, the priests, the captains of the temple, and the Sadducees came upon them, being greatly disturbed that they taught the people and preached in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. And they laid hands on them and put them in custody until the next day, for it was already evening. However, many of those who heard the word believed, and the number of men came to be about 5,000. Hallelujah. Father, we love you and we thank you so much for your truth. We thank you for your word, Lord God, that sets us free. We thank you for your word that sets us on the right course. We thank you for your word that illuminates us, my God, and allows us to know what you will for us as a people, Lord God, what you will for us as individuals. And we do pray this morning, Lord God, that you would glorify yourself in our lives. And these next few moments, Lord God, as we hear your word, make us not only hearers, but doers. Let us feel the weight of responsibility, Lord God, that there is when we read the scriptures. Let us not look at the preaching of your word as a good story. Or even worse, as a bedtime story, Lord God. Something that we hear to put us to sleep so we can rest. But my God, let your word set fire to our hearts. That we would not be able to sleep, that we would not be able to rest until we see your glory in the earth through our lives, God. We pray this all in Jesus' good name, someone said. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. So we are continuing in our series in the book of Acts, and we are going through the book of Acts from the beginning to the end. I'm enjoying this study very much. I love, I've told you this a couple of weeks. I didn't tell you the last time I preached, but I'll say it twice today. The book of Acts is my favorite book. Say it with me. The book of Acts is Bishop's favorite book. There you go. Hallelujah. And so this is because it, it, it is my, my favorite book because it shows us what we should look like. And so today, we're going to go in, in, into chapter 4, and remembering, for those of you that weren't here, chapter 3, it dealt with this healing of this paralytic man. 
This man was 40 years in this condition. He was born incapable of walking, and he would go and he would lay down before the gate, beautiful, and they and he would sit out there and he would beg. That's what he did every day. Every day. And when the people came by as they were on their way to temple to worship, they would stop and drop. So I, don't, I mean, I'm assuming he might have had a cup or something. I don't know. I'm just going to throw that in there. It doesn't say he had a cup. But nonetheless, he had something that he was taking the money in, and so they would, you know, give him something. But on this particular day, um, it was a day that the Lord had made for him to experience a supernatural encounter with Jesus. And this man was transformed from being a beggar to being a worshiper. Amen? He was someone who was changed from being a person who could not do for themselves, could not fend for themselves, and yet after he had an encounter with Jesus through Peter and John, this man's life was changed, and so was the church. The church was transformed, and so that brings us to where we are, and the title of this morning's message is this, the results of the gospel. Say the results of the gospel. As we're looking through the scriptures, we said the, the, the last message, it was entitled, On the Way to Church. And I was talking about while, James, while John and Peter were on their way to the house of the Lord to worship and to do their religious duty, they encountered someone who had a need and God utilized them. He didn't wait. God didn't wait for them to drag the guy into the church building. He did something before and did what? Change the atmosphere. And so we understood that that should be something that we should be praying for. Amen. That God would utilize us to bring people into the house of the Lord. I gave you my testimony um, briefly, but when I when I listen, before I got saved, I was I was I was a real heathen. Amen. Seriously, I mean, no, no jokes aside, when, when I tell you my story, um, two things usually happen to me. First of all, when people know me now, they're like, that was you? And, and I'm like, yeah, that was me. And they're like, there's no way that that was you. It's because God has done such an amazing work in transforming my life. And then the other, the other thing is that when I'm talking to someone who thinks they're good, they'll be like, oh, yeah, you definitely needed Jesus. In other words, I really don't need Jesus as bad as you did. Amen? I want you to know that no matter how good or bad you are, we all need Jesus desperately. And so before I came to Christ, I would come to church, and usually it went down like this. My mother or grandmother tricked me into coming. And I did everything I could to be the most rebellious person I could, and I, and I, I, I advise against this. Let me say this really quickly because I don't want to give this as though I'm condoning this behavior. I'm letting you know my behavior, okay? And what I would do is I would literally get high before I came to church. Right, smoke out, come to church, sit back there. I'd be sitting down in, in, in the congregation. I didn't want to be there in the first place, so I might as well, you know, be relaxed. That was my thought in the whole process, right? And so I would come into the house of the Lord, and I would sit there, and I would, and I would leave exactly the same way I came, and I couldn't wait for the sermon to be done, so I could go outside, and I could smoke a cigarette. That was my exact mindset. So I would go to church like that. All of these young people used to see me this way. One Sunday, came into church, I wasn't high. Glory to God. I was in the back row and toward the back, and I was in the, in the aisle throughout the whole worship time. Normally, I'd be sitting down trying to fall asleep during this, during, during this part of the service, but I was sitting in the back, barely understood English. Hello, somebody. I mean, in Spanish. Glory, I, I understood English. Didn't, didn't really understand Spanish. The church is a Spanish church. They're singing these songs. I, the songs. I couldn't see because I wear contacts right now. I wear glasses when I'm not wearing contacts. Well, back then, I was too cool for all that. So I was just walking around, couldn't see nothing, just squinting all over the place. So I was in the back of the row over there, and I just wanted to worship Jesus. And so as I'm there, what happened was everybody, all of these young people looking at me, as soon as service is over, they're coming up to me like, what happened to you? What happened was my mother saw a beggar. Hello, somebody. 
She saw a beggar in me, someone who was wanting a handout in some way, shape, or form. And she gave me, she said, look, I don't have all that other stuff you're looking for, but what I do have. I will give you. And she led me to Jesus. And so all of a sudden, now I became that paralytic person who has been healed by Jesus, paralyzed, not in the physical. I could run, jump, and do all of that. But spiritually, I was paralyzed. And there's many people in our days who are spiritually paralyzed. They can't get up and walk for themselves. They Listen, they want a false type of compassion. They want you to rub them on the back and say, oh, it's going to be okay. Listen, I want to let you know something. If you're not walking with Jesus, it's not going to be okay. Oh, y'all ain't hearing me. I know that's a little rough, especially in our day because we want to be real sensitive and real politically correct, and we want to wait till we get you one-on-one and we get you nice and emotional. And Listen, listen, listen. Here is the reality. If you don't have Jesus, it's not going to be okay. Because at the end of the day, you could be living your whole life waiting for your situation to become okay and die, and that's when it's really going to get bad. Because then it's like, okay, all all the peace that was offered, that's gone. All of that is a wrap because what? You missed the opportunity. And so here is the thing. I was that person. I knew that I was going to hell. I knew that I was a sinner. A sinner is a lawbreaker. I knew it. And I knew that if I died, I was going to be separated from God for all of eternity, and I would spend it in hell. And so what I would do is I would try to run as far away as I could from church and from anybody who was talking about Jesus. Until one night, Jesus got my heart and got my attention and changed my life forever and brought me to himself. And now I come into this house and I'm able to worship God and other people's lives are changed as a result. And then, you know, some 17 years later, I'm here preaching to you about what Jesus did then because that is what he wants. He doesn't want to make everyone a preacher like me. Hello. But he wants everybody to be a witness for his glory and for his honor of his resurrection power. And so the results of the gospel, they are results of the gospel. And as we walk through this and we look in the book of Acts, chapter 4 gives us a beautiful picture of the results of the gospel. And here's the thing. Preaching the gospel will, also, will always produce results. Some of those results are immediate and others are more gradual. Now I can tell you about my personal life. I was very gradual. Hello. My, everyone in my family wished it was immediate, but it was not. I can tell you, I, I can tell you prayer meetings that they came to my house, and, and I, I didn't understand what was going on. They were praying for me, praying that Jesus would save me, and I, 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 it was gradual. Had people, I mean, I had one lady one time, this is no joke, this is serious, and I know that, and this was about two or three weeks or maybe about a month before I got saved, and this lady, she, was, she, she saw me walk out of my house, and I don't know what she saw. I think it was a light behind me because I know it wasn't a light in me, glory to God. But when I walked out, she was like, you know, I see a light around you. I'm like, okay, well, I got to go. I'll see you later. You know, you and your lights. That, that was me, right? I, I didn't know nothing about anything. But what I know today is that Jesus was calling me. And even at that moment, he was dealing with me. But here's the thing. I had people talking to me, and, and, and it was gradual. So my grandmother was like the first person. I'll give you a little bit of this story. I'll give you the lengthier one because, you know, we're taught to tell it in five minutes. I'm going to tell it in a little bit longer. Amen? But here's the thing. My grandmother was the first person. She started talking to me, and, and she used to tell me this all the time. She said, Jason, you need to pray. And I'm like, okay. She's like, and when you pray, you need to ask God for wisdom. I'm like, okay, I'm going to ask God for wisdom. So I would lay down. And listen, I, was, I, was a, I, was, I said I was a heathen. I meant this. And because I knew this, I used to lay down in my bed every night. And this is no lie. God knows. He's, I mean, he's here, so I'm telling you the truth. I used to lay down in my bed every night with my hypocritical self. And I would lay down, and I would say, God, forgive me for my sin. Why did I ask him for that? Because I knew that if I died, I was going to hell. So I was hoping some way that this would work. God, forgive me for my sin. Even though if I wake up tomorrow, I'm going to do them again. That's why I was a hypocrite. 
Then my, then my grandmother threw in this monkey wrench, right? And she was like, pray to God for wisdom. So then my prayer went from, Father, forgive me for my sins. Give me wisdom. And I'm praying. I'm like, give me. My grandmother said, ask for wisdom. Lord, I need wisdom. I don't know what that is, but I need it. Little did I know I was asking for him. But anyway, none, nonetheless, right? And that we just went through Proverbs. So I was asking for him. I was asking for some direction for my life. Then I went from that place. They tricked me, right? This time, actually, one time I went to church and I wasn't high. It was on a Wednesday night. I didn't have time to get high before church. So they tricked me. I come into this youth Bible study, and you know what they're talking about? They're talking about prayer. And, and this is what they're saying in the, in the time that they're doing this Bible study. Now, mind you, don't ever think that, you know, just because someone doesn't know stuff that it's a waste. They started talking about when you pray, you have to pray in the name of Jesus. And I'm like, there it is. <laughs> Forgive my sins. Give me wisdom in Jesus' name. I got this thing down. So I'm like, I'm definitely going to be heard if I die when I'm sleeping, I'm going to be all right. And I begin to pray every night that same prayer, praying, God, forgive me for my sins. God, give me wisdom. And Lord, in Jesus' name. Every night. I didn't realize that praying in Jesus' name was something bigger, but there was some level of something that God was doing inside of me that created a sincerity. And then as I continue to do this, then all of a sudden things in my life began to spiral in the wrong direction because of what? Because of God's purpose in my life. And that purpose is to save me and deliver me from sin. And so it was a gradual process. And then one night, it was immediate. It just took glory to God. And that was the night that my mother led me to Jesus. I came home, and I was all messed up. And, and that was the only time that I can tell you I heard the audible voice of the Lord. And God spoke to me, called me. My mother, she said that. She told, she told me later on. She's like, she read through, like, the whole book of Proverbs. I don't know why she did that, but she did. Glory to God. I wept the whole time that she cried, and at the end she started talking to me, and she said something that I, listen, I didn't see my mom because I was in an intoxicated state, but the voice that I heard was the voice of the Lord coming through her life. And she said this to me, and I was like, wait a second, nobody knows this. She's like, you know, I hear you praying, and my mom didn't hear me praying. Nobody heard me praying. I wasn't praying out loud, hello, somebody. I wasn't verbalizing, Father, forgive me. I was like, It was like that, and I got a mic, and you could barely hear. So the thing was, God was, was saying, listen, I'm hearing you, and I want to save you and deliver you. And I told you about, you know, a few months earlier, I went to that service, and when I went to the service, the pastor was preaching on the calling of Samuel. And when he was preaching on the calling of Samuel, I was sitting back there where, where Isaac is. I was sitting right in that seat. My best friend was sitting next to me, and as, as the preacher did the altar call, I knew God was saying, come up, I want to save you. And you know what I did? Instead of looking at Jesus, I looked to the person next to me. And he was like a lump on a log, wasn't moving anywhere. So I was like, well, if he ain't moving, I'm not moving because I don't want to lose him because I know if I walk with Jesus, I'm not going to have my friend. Crazy. I didn't, realize the, I didn't realize the horrible deal I was about to make. But thank God for his mercy, and he saves me and he delivers me. The point is this, is that there are always results to the preaching of the gospel. And for some of you, you will sit in here today, and you will hear the gospel preached as I go through this message, and God will call you. And it is my prayer that you will respond. And I, and I will tell you this, you will respond. You will either receive what God is saying, or you will reject what God is saying. There will be a response. My prayer is that you will receive what God is saying and that you will respond to his call to serve him and follow him, whether you are a Christian or not, because for some of us as Christians, we need to be called higher in Jesus. That's why we're going through the book of Acts. The book of Acts is not for lost people. Hello. 
The book of Acts is for us, the church, for us to go out there and reach who God has called us to reach. And so here's the thing. At the end of the day, God is responsible for the results. We are responsible to be faithful, to testify. The results of preaching the gospel are always, say always, a win for the one sharing it. Whenever we share the gospel, even when someone does not respond in the affirmative, even when someone rejects the gospel you are preaching, it is still a win for you. Do not allow, my brothers and sisters, Pastor Robert talked about this young lady that he's going to be sharing with and that he's looking for. I pray that you will join him, that you will join me, because once I heard that testimony, when I get down and pray, I'll be praying for his conversation with that girl, that God will open their eyes, and I pray that you will do that as well, but also that you will begin to ask God to open up those opportunities and you'll begin to ask God to show you who you can begin sharing the gospel with and listen it is uncomfortable that's the reason why y'all didn't shout right now because it is uncomfortable to say man I got to share the gospel yes you have to share the gospel why because it's a duty no because it is a delight because Jesus has done something great inside of you and he wants you to share him with others it's not about your eloquence your education or your ability to speak it is about him willing to save others and wanting to use you in that process That is why we share the gospel. It's not because every single person that we share with is going to say, yes, that's not going to happen. It is because every single person we share with needs to hear it. Say this with me. I have six things that I want to show you that are results that we'll find in this chapter. This is probably the longest message point-wise that I'll have, but I'll get done with it pretty quick. Six points. The first one is this. If you're taking notes, just repeat this after me. You can write it down also. Say, there is almost always a mixed response to the message. When we look at verses 1 through 4, we find that they have preached the gospel in chapter 3. And it comes here and it says in verse 1, it says, Now as they spoke to the people, the priests, the captains of the temple, and the Sadducees came upon them being greatly disturbed that they taught the people and preached in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. And they laid hands on them and put them in custody until the next day, for it was already evening. Now pause for a moment. That is one response to the gospel. They weren't moved with compassion. They weren't moved with, with conviction. They weren't, they were, the Bible says they were what? They were disturbed. That's what the scripture says. And sometimes when I share the gospel, when you share the gospel, it is disturbing to people. They don't want to hear it. That isn't the answer they were looking for. They were looking for ten steps to something or five steps to something or a rub on the back. I don't know what they were looking for. But when you share the gospel with them, you let them know, listen, it's not about your situation changing. It's about your heart changing. And the only way that happens is by you repenting. They don't want to hear that. It disturbs them. Why you got to shove Jesus down my throat? I'm not trying to shove Jesus down your throat. I'm trying to share with you the true thing that you need. Because here's the thing. Everybody wants a fixed life, better situation. But here's, the, here, here's what you got to get. We want to fix situations and get people better. But, but my question is, if everything is perfect in their life, will they ever turn to Jesus? Have you ever thought about this for a moment, that God sometimes allows people to go through difficult situations, one, so we can show love and we can show compassion. In other words, we can show Jesus to them. But number two, it's so that we can have an opportunity to really share what needs to be shared. Jesus wants to fix people's lives, not just people's situations. 
So the first thing is they're disturbed. Then verse 4 gives us the other response. The other one is this. However, many of those who heard the word believed, and the number of the men came to be about 5,000. And so we had earlier in chapter 2, we see about 3,000 people added to the church. Now we have 5,000. And so it went from 3,000 to 5,000. So we see some growth that is taking place. So here's what happens. Approximately 2,000 people were added to the church that day. There was a great, a convincing miracle that was never denied by the Jewish leaders. This becomes so very important for you and I to look at because in chapter 3, this paralytic person, when you look throughout chapter 4 as we walk through right now, you are never going to see them deny the miracle that occurred. They're never going to say that didn't happen. They're never going to say he was not paralyzed. They, what they are going to do is reject the message and not want to hear it. But they could not reject it. They never did. And yet the religious elite, I want you to notice verse 1, it says this. It says, now as they spoke to the people, the priest, these are the people that are leaders, the captain of the temple. These are people that are, that, that are over, um, the, the, they're like the temple police. And then the Sadducees, these are the ones that are, are the religious leaders. They, listen, these are supposed to be the most educated ones. These are the ones that you email and say, hey, I got a question about the Bible. That's who these people are. These are the ones that are supposed to have all of the answers for everyone. They're supposed to be able to communicate the things of the gospel. And yet they were the ones who rejected the message. And let me say this. This is important for us because, and this may not sound very encouraging, but it still gives us the heart that we're supposed to be doing, what we're supposed to be doing with the gospel. Within the whole of the culture, Jesus will probably never, say never, be widely accepted. The Bible says that narrow is the way and, 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 and few are the, the ones that find it, right? Now, 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 I know you see a lot of mega churches and stuff like that, and, and, and I, I hear all that. But the Bible says few will find the way. So in, re, in, in realistic terms, I, I, all of that stuff, I mean, the Bible talks about a great falling away and all of this. And listen, I am, I am excited to see what God is doing in, in here, and, 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 but, but, but the most important thing is that we are faithfully sharing the gospel and that we're not just, you know, tickling ears or making people feel good about stuff. That's not going to work because then people think they're saved, but are they really? And so here's the thing. We, 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 we're never going to, whenever, whenever, whenever everybody just accepts Jesus, there's an issue. I told you the story that when, 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 they, when they changed the way that churches were run. See, churches weren't run like this. And what I mean by this is there wasn't a pulpit in the front and pews in front. That, 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 is, that isn't how it was. People sat in like a circle, and they used to, now when I say a circle, I'm just giving it a picture. It was more like a community, and they would have conversation. And I could call on anyone, right? I could call on Eddie and say, Eddie, tell me what this scripture says. I could call on, you know, you remember when you read, well, as you read through the book of Acts, you'll see that at one point, the apostles are in the temple, and the people rise up and say, brothers, if you have anything you want, you could share with us, please do so. What did they do? Literally, they put them on the spot. And what happened was, when it was like that, Here's, here's what would happen. When it was like that, people were like, I'm not going in there. I'm, I'm not going to be part of that community because they're going to, they, they, at any moment, they could call me out and say, hey, brother, can you give me a word and, and communicate what the scripture says? Not give me a word, not, not like you feel something. It, no, I'm talking about that. I'm talking about where you know what the Bible says and tell me what the scriptures communicate. And in our sanctuaries now, folks can go to sleep. Right? I mean, realistically, you can hide. Listen, you can act like God is not talking to you. And no one will ever know. You know, you know how to swallow good? Be like, mm, that wasn't for me. <laughs> and you could walk out the door the same way. And, 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 but what happened was, when, during that time, before the, you know, before the change took place, in, in the community, there was like 20% people were Christian. 
You know what happened when they changed it and they put pulpits in the, I mean, you know, pulpits in the front and pews facing this way? It went from like 20% to 80%. Because everybody wants the benefits of church, but nobody wants the responsibility of being a Christian. Everybody wants the blessing that you're going to get. Everybody wants that. But do we really want to walk with Jesus? And so when, it, when Jesus becomes acceptable, you need to question some things when he's just acceptable in the society as a whole. Now, here's the reason why I say this, because not just on that level of being convicted of our sin, but also everything about Jesus, listen to me, everything about Jesus outside of the historic facts of his existence defy logic. Seriously. I want you to think about what you believe for a moment if you're a believer. If you're a believer, you believe in the virgin birth. Is that logical? Does that make logical sense? That a woman who never knew a man had a baby. Right? In our day, well, yeah, Bishop, we could do artificial insemination. Yeah, that was, that was now. That's now. We're, we're not talking about then. That didn't happen. Okay, how about this one? Let's think about this one. How many of y'all have heard the term Trinity? Raise your hand if you heard the term Trinity. Now you can put your hands down. Now, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand for this, but how many of you, like, fully, totally, 100% could just break down the Trinity? If I gave you the opportunity right now, you could make us understand it like that. Now, here's the thing. What does the Trinity say? That God is one, right? God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. All three are one. Does that, does that make logical? No, it doesn't. Why do you think people struggle with it so much? It's because it goes against logic. So you look at these things, and you're like, okay, wait a second. This, this, everything that surrounds his life, it, it, it doesn't. Okay, how about this one? His sinless life. Oh, man, he had to do something wrong. I mean, maybe they didn't write it down. But he had to slip up some way, shape, or form. I mean, come on. They brought a woman to him that, that was caught in the act of adultery. She was probably naked. You're going to say he wasn't lusting over her? Hold on a second now. I'm not trying to confuse you. I want you to understand that Jesus, he's not supposed to just, you know, tickle your logic and be like, yes, hold on a second. He is supernatural. He is sinless. If he sinned, then his sacrifice is worthless. Did you hear me? And the reality is the Bible says clearly he was tempted in all ways and yet found without sin. This is fact. This is truth. But if someone who doesn't want to believe, they're going to try to poke holes and all of that stuff. And we keep going down the list of these different things where we see where Jesus is. How about his sacrificial death? That makes no sense. So he comes in this earth by a virgin. He lives this perfect, sinless life. He does nothing wrong to anyone. And now he's going to die for people who are yelling, crucify him. Kill him. And he's like, look, man, all authority is given to you by my father. And he said, I'm giving. No one is taking my life. I am giving. That makes no logical sense. Okay, so now, wait, wait, then, then that brings us to the next thing. After this sacrificial death, what about this miraculous resurrection? That defies logic. Who do you know that resurrected? Hello. You know, you know someone who resuscitated, right? Someone who was dead, like, you know, and then all of a sudden, you know, they came. Okay, you might know that person. But if that person outlived that, they probably, they, they will die if they have not yet, or they already did. Hold on a second. Our God is seated up in heaven, in glory. He didn't die again. He will not die again. He resurrected and defied death. So, also, that's the reason why he's not going to be accepted. But here is the thing. 
When we are faithful to preach the gospel, what does God do? He opens our eyes, he softens our hearts, and he grants us repentance, the ability to turn from our sins. He does that to others as well when we're faithful to preach the gospel. And here's what I said I would say again, and it is this. There is no such thing as a neutral response when it comes to the gospel. You either reject it or you receive it, period. You either reject it or you receive it. Now listen, if you're struggling to live out your life with Jesus, that doesn't mean you rejected it. But if you're not struggling, trying to live for Jesus, you rejected it. Oh, well, you know, I believe, I, I believe in the virgin birth. Okay, demons do too. I believe in, you know, the Trinity. I don't understand it totally, but I believe in that. I believe everything you're saying about Jesus. Really? Well, the Bible says demons believe and... <laughs> I love that. They believe and tremble. You say you believe and you live like you want to live. You know why they tremble? Because they recognize that their day is coming. If they could, listen, this, this, I'm, I'm going to just throw this in there. Pastor Robert is my witness. I'm, I'm, I'm just going to say this because I think this, all right? This is, I'm saying, I'm just using him as an example because it's not, it's not in the Bible. I can't give you. But I believe, just thinking about this, if they could change their situation, if they could repent of their sin, they would. Listen, they realize they made a bad decision. They, that's why they tremble. They're like, oh, hold on a second. Uh, you know, they, they thought it was good. Lucifer was like, yo, y'all hear me sing? Y all, y all, I'm sitting up there. Y'all know me, man. I got this. And like, yo, yo, Lou, you the man. We're going we gonna to hang with you, bro. God is like, all right, y'all make a choice. We're choosing him, the singer. We're going to choose the beautiful one over there. Okay, Go. Kicks them all out of heaven. Thousands of years later, they're like, man, did we make the right choice? <laughs> then Jesus comes on the scene. They're like, okay, this is, this is the son. This is the one. So we're going to destroy him, right? They're like, they, they, they got the plan figured out. They deceived all the religious folk. He's died. He's dead. He's done. Three days later, the tomb opens. He's walking out. They're like, oh, man, we definitely made the bad decision. We, we definitely made the wrong decision because the Bible says that Jesus went to hell, right? And he was preaching. So he was saying, y'all made the wrong decision. <laughs> Go over there. I made that up. But listen, but the point is they are there hearing Jesus call those souls from that place of holding. And they realize, listen, but hold on a second. Let's come back to you because I know we're laughing at the demons. But what about you that say you believe and you don't tremble? You just live how you want to live. It is because you don't believe. Don't lie to yourself. Don't deceive yourself. When you believe, your life will change. Trust me. I had some level of belief. There was something going on in me, but I didn't believe enough to change. Until one day, I realized, well, you know what? It's either going to be my best friend or Jesus. Jesus. It's going to be one or the other. And trust me, I tried to hold on to my best friend. I tried to convert him many times. Got him to come to church with me a, a couple of times. When, when they fell into problems, guess who they were calling? But here's the thing. We have to be faithful to preach the gospel. That's all we have to do. We have to be faithful. Second thing, repeat this after me. Say, there's usually another opportunity to share the message with those who reject it. This is amazing to me. Look at verse 5 with me. Verse 5 says this, and it came to pass on the next day 
that their rulers, elders, and scribes, as well as Annas, the high, the high priest, Caiaphas, John, and Alexander, and as many as were of the family of the high priest, were gathered together in Jerusalem. And when they had set them in the midst, they asked, By what power or by what name have you done this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers of the people and elders of Israel, if we this day are judged, <clears throat> excuse me, for a good deed done to a helpless man, by what means he has been made well? Let it be known to you all and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man stands here before you whole. This is the stone which was rejected by you builders which has become the chief cornerstone. Nor is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. It goes on to say in verse 13, it says, Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated and untrained men, they marveled and they realized that they had been with Jesus. And seeing the man... Who had been healed standing with them they could say nothing against it there is usually <clears throat> God in his grace and his mercy will usually give us another opportunity to share the gospel how many times did they share the gospel with me I, I couldn't tell you that was the only the times that I remember and I know that there were many more there are many other times that people shared the gospel with me and God is gracious and I'm not gonna go through all six points this is, this is the point I'm gonna close on but here's the thing God is gracious, and he shows his grace. He shows his abundant mercy by granting us <clears throat> multiple opportunities to repent of our sin. When he called me that night that I was sitting there and I rejected him, you know what? He was gracious. He didn't have to. He did not have to allow me to hear the gospel again, but he did. And so here's the thing. We have to be faithful to say, okay, God, show me. So for these people, in this context, let's look at how they heard the gospel. The first time they heard the gospel, John the Baptist. John the Baptist came on the scene. He's preaching the gospel to them. They don't want to hear it. They're like, oh, we don't need that. We don't need to hear that. Jesus comes on the scene. <clears throat> they reject his message and his ministry to the degree that they crucify him and they kill him. Then after that, they go and they reject the, 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 the message of the apostles. And God still gives them an opportunity to repent. Here's the thing that I want you to get here. When we're looking at this whole thing, because Peter goes on and he says this. I love this in verse 8. He says, then Peter filled with the Holy Spirit. Say, filled with the Holy Spirit. Listen, if I could pause and just tell you one thing that becomes so vitally important. It is this. It is that you ask God to fill you with his spirit daily. That you don't just ask him to fill you with his spirit just because, but that you ask him, God, fill me with your spirit so I can preach the gospel with power. So I can be a witness with power. It doesn't mean you got to jump up on a soapbox somewhere and start yelling out. You can do that. But here's the point. It is that way you open your mouth and the power. Listen, power is not demonstrated because you yell. Hello. I'm just loud. Hallelujah. There's no, there, there, there's no issue. I'm loud. I'm a loud person. Most, some of you, a lot of you are loud too. Glory to God. 
you get excited and you're just loud. This, this place, I, I, I told Pastor Robert when we first, when we were getting ready to pray, I was like, man, it's loud in here. And he's like, yeah, he's like, there's a lot of people. I'm like, no, nah, these are loud people. That's my, that I thought. I didn't say that. It's just loud, man. But, but any, any, listen, the point is, some of you are loud too. But, but, but here's the thing. It is that you pray because when he was questioned, when he was asked about the situation, what is going to change the lives of the people who are hearing is not his words. It is the power of the Holy Spirit that is coming through him. And if there's one thing that we have failed to do in everything, and this is something that should be plastered all over our evangelism material, the hybrid that we're coming up with, it is that we need to be filled with the Holy Spirit in order to be effective witnesses. Listen, you can know A, B, C, and D of the Romans Road and all of that, but if you are not filled with the power of God, lives will not be changed because it is not us that changes people. It is God's Spirit that changes people. Period. <clears throat> He's filled with the Holy Spirit. And then I love it because, he, and here's the other thing that will, this is why you need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Because when you are filled with the Holy Spirit, you know what you are, you, you know what you are clear to do? You are clear to preach the gospel unashamed. You are bold to communicate the truth. You know, I've, I've been pointing this out to you every single time that Peter preaches because Peter is crazy. Listen, Peter, Peter, Peter is like, please kill me. Seriously, every time he preaches, he's like, y'all, y'all kill me. Kill me. Bishop, I didn't read that. Well, let's read it together. I'm going to show you exactly where he says it. Then filled with the Holy Spirit, he said to them, rulers of the people. First of all, who's he talking to? He's talking to the rulers. He's talking to the leaders. That's who he's talking to. <laughs> rulers of the people and elders of Israel, all y'all that have the authority to stone me. If we this day are judged for a good deed done to a helpless man, by what means he has been made well, let it be known to you all and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, please kill me. You should put that in parentheses there. Let it be known by Jesus, the one you killed, the one you killed. Let's bring, why is this so important? When you preach the gospel, you must confront sin. We cannot assume some. See, with me, I knew my sin. I knew because I had some, you know, Christian upbringing, and I knew I, knew I was a heathen. I knew I was going to hell. Not everybody else does. Remember what I said? When I tell my story, some people, they're like, man, that couldn't have been you. Other people, they're like, man. You really needed Jesus because they don't realize that they do. They think that, you know, lying on their tax return is not a big deal. It's a big deal. They think a little white lie is not a big deal. It's a big deal. They think lusting is just natural because everybody does it. Man, you know, I mean, come on, bro. How do you not look? We just don't look. I had someone ask me the other day. We were walking to the gym. I was coming from the... Um, I was coming from the racquetball court, and so as I'm walking, he's, he's walking behind me, and I don't, and listen, I'm straight up, I don't know what I did, because I didn't, I was like shocked, like he kind of threw me for a loop, and I must have cleared my throat, I was like, <clears throat> something like that, and there was a girl, and I promise you, I didn't even see her, and it wasn't because I'm so holy, I see girls all the time, and turn plenty, but here's the point, <laughs> the point is, I didn't even notice her, I was thinking about the game, I cleared my throat, and he was like, I don't, I don't remember what he said, but, but he said something to the effect of, 
He was like, yeah, that was exceptional. I'm like, what? He's like, oh, weren't you clearing your throat because of that girl? And I was like, no, what girl? He's like, no, but she, I mean, she was, you know, she, and I said, okay. And he's like, do you, you know, ministers still look, right? And I was like, So I'm like trying to think, how do I, how do I, you know, not be holier than thou and just be honest to, you know, who I'm trying to be, you know, not like I don't fail ever, but I said, I do my best not to look, right? But the point is, go, listen, you, you can do this. Go talk to 10 dudes that don't know Jesus. Even talk to someone that do, does know Jesus. Some of those that, or say they know Jesus. Ask them if lusting is just natural. Ask them. Ask them, and I think you'll be shocked. And how many were like, yeah, man, I, you know, I mean, come on, God created them. <laughs> Straight up. This, 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 uh, here's, here, here is the point. The point is that I have to be in a, in, in a place, right, where I can confront someone's sin and show them what sin is. See, these particular people, their sin was in particular, in, I mean, in, 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 or specifically, they crucified Jesus. Somebody else's sin may be they're just a liar, a, a potty mouth. I mean, some, somebody's sin, there may be a bunch of different sins. It may be an alcoholic, an addict. There may be a, a bunch of different things. But here is the, here, here's what we need to be clear about. We need to be clear to confront people's sin. Now, here's what we don't need to do. You don't need to make one sin bigger than the other. Like, you know, our day, the hot topic for our day is homosexuality. That's like the hot topic of our day, right? So we, we're not allowed to talk about homosexuality because that offends people. Well, listen, what about when I talk about an adulterer? Are they not equal in God's eyes? I would say yes. They both put Jesus on the cross. When I talk about homosexuality and a liar, is, is one greater? Well, you know, the liar may go to a different... Hold on a second. The unrepentant liar is going to hell, just like the person who is bound in homosexuality and is unwilling to accept Jesus' sacrifice, period. Now, here's the one thing that I love. There was an article that I read, and it was a guy, and he was actually meeting with someone who was, who was struggling with, you know, uh, um, gender identity and stuff like that, or the person, or he was um, a homosexual, and there was three articles that were there, and as you were reading through it, the one thing that he made crystal clear, and this is why I always try to do this whenever I preach, is I always try to acknowledge my need for the gospel as much as anyone else's. Because what he did in conversation with this person who was struggling with this identity, the whole reason he was brought into a relationship was because a person who was trying to witness to this guy was unable to do it, didn't know where to go. And so introduced him to the pastor. The pastor decided to engage in a relationship. And when he did that, the one thing he continued to do throughout the whole time, he never minimized his sin. Never did he ever minimize his sin. But what he didn't do either was minimize his own sinfulness. He didn't ever say, I've arrived. He constantly kept it in the forefront. I need the gospel just as much as you do. I need, listen, the gospel for me, it, the, only, the only hope for Jason is the gospel. That is it. The only hope for me is the same way anyone. The person who's bound in adultery, the only hope for them is for them to repent of their sin and put their faith in Jesus. The person who's bound to addiction, the only hope for them is to repent and put their faith in Jesus. The person who is bound in identity issues and homosexuality or whatever is putting their faith in Jesus and the same way he delivered the drug addict, he delivered the alcoholic, the same way he delivered the adulterer, he can deliver anyone. 
the same power of the cross can deliver. The question is, are we willing to confront sin? Are we willing to call sin, sin? Because that's, that's the other thing in our day, right? We want to give you a pill for your sins. Seriously. We, 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 we want to help you control it. Hold on a second. Where, where's repentance? And listen, it's expected, you know, of doctors or psychologists for them to try to do. But Christians, I'm talking to Christians here. You can't, you, you can't do that. You have to allow the Holy Spirit to do what? To bring deliverance, to bring healing. Amen? Here's the thing. It goes on to preach. I already said he, he always confronts sin. He says, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead. So now he's like, you crucified him and God denied you. Amen. Whom God raised from the dead. By him, this man stands here before you whole. And so what he is saying is that there is undeniable truth. He goes on to quote here in verse 11. He's quoting Psalm 118. And, and in Psalm 118, he says that this is another way that this guy, he's, he's crazy. Um, he says this. He says, this is the stone which was rejected. And he, and, he, and he throws in this word, by you. Because in Psalm 18, it doesn't say by you. It says, the stone who the builders rejected. He's saying, he's saying you guys, you're the builders. And God was giving you the stone to build with? You rejected it. Again, he's calling them to the carpet about their sin. If they don't deal with their sin, how, how can you be saved if you don't deal with your sin? Jesus wants to deal with that. He calls them to that. They, they, the, the one that the builders has rejected, and he says, which has become the chief cornerstone, so the foundational rock. And this verse is so important for us. You should highlight this one. This should be your memory verse for the week. Verse 12. Nor is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Listen, we live in this pluralistic culture, meaning that every way leads to the same God in many people's minds. We live in this culture that preaches tolerance except when it comes to Jesus and Christianity. Because when you really speak about Jesus, Jesus is not going to say, hey, man, I'm just going to include everyone. No. Jesus is exclusive in saying, listen, you follow me, turn from sin, put faith in me, and you can be saved. You're not, you're not, you're not going to find me by following some other book. You're not going to find me by following some other religion. That's, that's not it. You're not going to, at the end of the road, meet me. That's not going to happen. Especially for the young people that are in here, this is what you are being inundated with. This is what, what, what the enemy, because it, it's the enemy. The Bible says we don't battle against flesh and blood, but we battle against powers and principality. And so the enemy wants to keep our minds to where we're like, man, you know what? It's, it's all the same. They believe in God. That's why I tell you, you got to be careful. When someone starts talking about they believe in God, be like, can you just define what God you're talking about? Just, just let's be clear because I don't want to rejoice over the wrong God here. I mean, you don't have to say it like that. I'm just saying, just in your mind, you know, just be like, can you just clarify what you're talking about? I mean, seriously. Because the fact of the matter is, we have this pluralistic. And you know what? Pluralism is simply idolatry. That's all it is. It's a worship of your own ideas. It's a worship of your own way. It's a worship of your own thinking. It's a worship of your own opinions rather than submitting all of your opinions, all of your thoughts, all of your will, and all of your desires to the counsel of Scripture. But the gospel in and of itself is this, church. It is an undeniable message. 
all by itself. And what God does here, when you look at verse 13, it says, Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated and untrained men, they marveled and they realized that they had been with Jesus. And so what God wants is, he already has an undeniable message, but he wants undeniable messengers. Not because you're so well educated. Because you spend time with Jesus. Listen, this is the question. Are we spending time with Jesus? Because he'll make up all the difference. When it comes to living out and preaching the gospel, he makes up the difference. But he doesn't end there. He goes on to say this. They, don't only, they didn't only see that. They didn't only hear the undeniable messages. They didn't only see the undeniable witnesses there. But they also says, and seeing the man who had been healed standing with them, they could say nothing against it. That is awesome. Because not only is the, the gospel and undeniable messages, not only are we called to be undeniable witnesses, but we are also empowered by the gospel to do what? To be surrounded by signs of that undeniable message. And that is what God wants to do through us. Here's the bottom line, and I'm closing with this. Jesus is the gospel that we should be preaching. It is about him. It is all about Jesus. It is all about Jesus saving. It is all about Jesus delivering. It is all about what Jesus can do to transform our lives. And here's my question for you, church, and, and I want to ask the church this question first. Stand to your feet, please. The question is this, is are you being that undeniable witness? I didn't say perfect witness because you know if you read the life of Peter and John and all of these people, they were not perfect witnesses. But are you being an undeniable witness? Are you being one that is spending time with Jesus? Are you being one that is sharing Jesus as faithfully as you can wherever you go? Are you being that witness? If you're not, he calls you to repent today. If you're not, I call you to repentance today. If you are not spending time with Jesus, allowing him to transform your heart and being the witness that he's called you to be, if you call yourself a Christian and you are living for yourself, living for your own desires, living according to your own will and according to your own ways, I ask you today, if that's you, repent of your sin. Listen, don't be foolish like I was. Don't worry about the person who's waiting for you when you come out of here who's not going to want to walk with you because you're going to walk with Jesus. Don't worry about the person who's sitting next to you who may not want to follow Jesus as radically as you will. Respond to him today. Hear him calling you. And listen, if you're not a Christian, if you're not a Christian, look, we all need the gospel. But if you're not a Christian, Jesus wants to save you today. Jesus wants to deliver you today. Jesus wants to make you part of his family. So I'm going to ask you all to bow your heads with me and let us pray. I'm going to open up this altar, and 